Check this out, y'all. Audio level full volume. It's your time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Border Border, 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here on a Tuesday. Uh, it's not Tuesday. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. It's a rainy Monday. It's a dreary, disgusting, ugly Monday for a football week here in the capital city. Uh, got a lot to get into on the show today. So it is a Monday, which means you will have uh, me for an hour, Bob and I for 45 minutes, and then Bob's disappearing because... I don't know why he's disappearing. And then I'm doing the rest of the show uh, show coming up at uh, 445. So you get plenty of me on a Monday. But, of course, there is so much to get to on the show today. Uh, We will talk about college football week zero, what we saw, what we didn't see. Uh, I've got some thoughts. It was already a disappointing and frustrating week, to say the least. Um, But we'll get into week one. We'll update you on all the lines and everything, tell you about what's going down with regards to uh, what's going down to uh, with regards to all the teams in the state because our football starts on Thursday with William & Mary. They're playing at Campbell on Thursday, so we'll certainly get you set for that. And then, of course, there's games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So um, there is a lot of uh, stuff to get into. We will also keep you updated on the cuts in the NFL because by Tuesday, you have to be down to a 53-man roster. By 4 o'clock, and there has been some cuts for the Commanders so far. There's been some interesting cuts involving the Commanders' first opponent. We could tell you that in just a little bit. And uh, so we'll talk about that. And then there's some other stuff that we can just get into as the show goes along. Because, um, well, realignment's still not disappearing. And um, we will get. We will certainly talk a lot about uh, everything on the field because I also have a poll question that I want you to vote on at Mid Major Mad at ESPN Richmond. We'll get into that in just a moment. But multiple reports saying, and I'm going to give it first to uh, Nicole Arabak, although Yahoo was also there and several other places. That tonight the conference presidents of the ACC are scheduled to meet about adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU. SMU is willing to accept no media rights revenue for at least seven years, reports are saying. Stanford and Cal are willing to join for 30%, which would free up a bunch more money for the school. But when we're talking about a bunch more money, we're really not talking about a bunch more. And um, the ACC made $443 million in TV revenue, the equivalent of $29.5 million per school, and it's supposed to go up slightly. But, of course, adding these three new schools is going to change that up. I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand where we're going in terms of the only way I could see this happening. And David Teal has a tweet. And, obviously, mad respect for David Teal. He's got all sorts of sources and everything. And I'm not one to go up against him. And I'm not really going up against him. But he says a source on ACC adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU. Hopefully, it's finished tonight, no later in the morning. I mean, it's ambiguous enough to say, um, hopefully it's finished as in we never have to hear this again. And I just don't, to me, Florida State and Clemson are no's. Guaranteed no's. Like, I don't see what's going to change unless you say to Florida State and or Clemson, 
you get more than everybody else. Something of that nature. Like, I don't understand how adding these three teams are going to do anything. Now, the other two no's, which just one has to become a yes, are North Carolina and NC State. NC State, from reports, are basically just agreeing with North Carolina because they feel like North Carolina is going to attach themselves, which, I, I, I mean, I guess. We've seen a lot of states do things for all the state schools, but we've also seen a lot of state schools separate their schools. I mean, obviously, Oregon and Oregon State are not going the same direction. Washington and Washington State are not going in the same direction. Um, There's a lot of other schools who are like that. So I'm assuming, from what I can tell, that NC State thinks if North Carolina goes elsewhere, they're coming with them. Which maybe it does. Maybe. Um, I just don't see any of the no's turning the yeses. I don't understand. Like We all know the financials. We've seen all of the stories. We've seen all of the things. All the numbers are out there of how much the ACC is going to make. But like, does Stanford and Cal and SMU actually add anything? Let's go over this for a second. Okay. How many people in Dallas, Texas, that's SMU's area, how many of them are going to tune into the ACC network for... Clemson and North Carolina basketball. Several. But not... Several is like five or six. Dude, they love it down there, man. They love their football. SMU's huge. Uh, well, I mean, I said... Well, yes, I understand that. But I said Clemson and North Carolina basketball. Oh, basketball? Oh, no. Exactly. Zero. Exactly. Negative. Exactly. And that's what that's what we're trying to do here. Like, when I, when you see a lot of the realignment here with regards to the, the adding teams, you're trying to add large areas. You know, in theory... Adding Rutgers, which this the logic's still not there. Like in theory, the Big Ten added Rutgers because they wanted New York, they wanted large swaths of New Jersey. But like, let's be honest, you know, New Jersey doesn't love college athletics. You know, they may love their Rutgers. There may be some Syracuse fans. There may be some Penn State, Pittsburgh fans. Like, there's a mishmash of a bunch of different people there. Um, Maryland, that's another one. When the Big Ten added Maryland, they figured, all right, we're gonna get Washington D.C. too. I mean, is that really the case? So you add SMU, you're adding a nice you know, area, but I don't think you're getting enough eyeballs. Now let's do this. Stanford and Cal. Are Stanford and Cal people out in California going to tune into Syracuse and Virginia men's lacrosse? Nope. Exactly. Hell, are Stanford and Cal people going to tune into Syracuse and UVA football? Probably not. Exactly. So I get that, you know, I get that you're getting new areas. But like, we're not getting the right areas. Like, I just don't understand that. We're just not getting the areas that, you know, in theory, Dallas sounds great. In theory, California sounds great. What happens when California goes off into the ocean? Like, it breaks away from the United States. Are we now going to add, is that great for us? Are we adding an island now? That's not ever happened. I, I know. I know. It's just the movies have told me that that's going to happen. I just don't, and I don't think that they're taking one or two of those teams. I think they're taking all of them or none of them. How's the schedule even look? Like, time, how's the times look? No, Nobody cares about that. Nobody, like, you're, it's a very logical question you asked. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like, that's just, we have to suspend logic when we look at this stuff. Because... On paper, none of these moves make sense. It doesn't make sense that USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten. 
There's no sense made whatsoever. But we're but we're doing that. So this is my problem with what the ACC has done. The ACC has not been proactive. It's been reactive. It has basically saw what everybody else is doing and decided that it's going to do that as well. So I don't think that's a great idea. The ACC should have gone out there and said, and by the way, you know who's who's doing this? It's This is like when you're trying to go out with the attractive woman and you do her homework for you, and yet she still doesn't go out with you. The reason why they're doing this is because they think Notre Dame's going to come and join, and Notre Dame's not going to join. Just because Notre Dame's the loudest voice in the room doesn't mean that loudest voice is about to join everybody else. Like, let's be honest. Notre Dame's going to stay independent for a long time. Now, I'm sure they're not thrilled that NBC has gotten in bed with the Big Ten, but as long as NBC's got money for them, it doesn't matter. So it looks like something's going to happen tonight. They're going to have a call. My guess, and I'm not obviously privy to this call, my guess is Florida State and Clemson still say no, and it comes down to Carolina. And it comes down to Carolina, and Carolina has to decide whether or not they want to add these three programs that other than mild financial um, increases over the next seven years, other than that, what else is it going to do? I mean, listen, I'm a college nerd. I will watch you know, Stanford and Boston College in basketball or football. Um, I'll watch that, but like, I can guarantee you down in Tallahassee, they ain't watching it. Stanford and Cal add nothing more on, add nothing on the football field, add nothing on the basketball court. Both of them are very bad in both of those topics. Uh, SMU at least has a intriguing football team, but by the way, they're not going to join for another year, so who knows what they're going to look like. SMU has a mildly interesting basketball team, but it's not like all of a sudden an ACC that has struggled at times to add people to their uh, tournaments, the NCAA tournament, the uh, college football playoffs. It's not like these three additions are going to do anything about that. So I just don't know. I don't. I don't understand. I do not understand why this is happening, and I still think it's not going to happen, but David Teal and these others seem to be very convinced that tomorrow the headline of our show is going to be, hey, guess what? Stanford, Cal, and SMU are here. 327-0888, that is the phone number, that is the text line. 804 is the area code. John on text says, there isn't going to be a vote tonight unless it's unanimous, and from what I hear, Stanford and Cal are 100%. SMU are not sure. Well, Stanford and Cal... Yeah, they want to join the ACC because guess what? Over the weekend and last week, Washington State and Oregon State were getting courted by the Mountain West and the AAC. So like the 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 article we talked about last week in the Oregonian or the Oregon Live, whatever it is, that said they were kind of hoping to salvage the Pac four. It's not I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. I think the Pac four I think the Pac twelve is going to disappear completely. It's gonna be gone. And then everybody, everybody's gonna cry and be like, "What is going on with college sports? The Pac-10 is not around." And then I, and then I will ask you personally, how many Pac-10 football and basketball games are you watching? And you will say none. Because guess what? You know what? Here's the perfect thing that shows you everything surrounding this story. Saturday, USC, arguably the best program in the Pac-12. 
small outside chance of making the national championship picture, the, the playoffs and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, they have the Heisman Trophy winner. Guess where the game was on the Pac-12 network? Guess how much of the country could not or would not or didn't watch that game? A lot. So you tell me, and you say to me, athletics are really important, and we want all the spotlight. Well, you would have gotten the spotlight. I think it was a 7 or 8 o'clock game on Saturday. Nobody could watch it outside of the West Coast. Nobody could watch it. The Heisman Trophy winner. The best quarterback in the nation. One of the teams that has a chance at a national championship, potentially. I don't think they do, but whatever. We could throw them in the mix. Your largest entity was not able to be seen by 80 to 90% of the country. And you expect me to feel bad for the the Pac-12? Nope. Not in the least. Not in the least. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number, that is the text line, 804 is the area code. So who knows? We might have an easy lead tomorrow. It might be, hey, guess what? There's three new programs in the ACC. And then I have to go scurry and go get guests and go find out why we should care and all this stuff. But as of now, who knows? It looks like there's going to be a meeting tonight. And I'm just telling you, if I'm Clemson, Florida State, I'm still saying no. What the hell do those two teams do? Now, if you came to me and said, if you got it written down on paper, which you're not going to, but if you got it written down in paper that Stanford, Cal, and SMU joining the ACC would bring Notre Dame to the conference in, I don't know, five years, whatever, and it's written down in paper, it's notarized, Jack Swarbrick uh, signed it, everything, so on and so forth, um, I think that you would see something happened, but they're not. That's why Notre Dame should have zero voice in this whole thing. Or the same amount of voice as everybody else, and we kind of, like, the same voice as Boston College has. Like, who cares what Boston College has to say? Like, if we could kick people out, let's kick those two out. I saw somebody on Twitter say, let's do trading. Like, let's have some trades where we take some of the teams from the ACC and put them in the Big Ten and then have some of the Big Ten teams that probably belong in the ACC come to the ACC. That would be fun if we could negotiate trades as conferences. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe we're 10 years away from that. But that's what's going on in college football. All right, as we go to break, this is the poll question for today. At Midmajor Matt, at ESPN Richmond. We're going to get into it next segment. Poll question is, basically... Who has more to prove this season in year two of their tenure as uh, head football coach? Is it Tony Elliott or Brent Pry? You can vote online at Midmajor Matt at ESPN Richmond. We'll update you on the vote coming up. And we'll get into some other stuff. The NFL roster cuts. The first opponent for the Washington Commanders made a relatively large cut today. We'll tell you what it is. And we'll also tell you who else has been let go. And we got a couple of other stuff. We'll tell you what the lines are for the week one games coming up as well. All that coming up until four. You're listening to 1061 ESPN. He doesn't just talk sports, he knows sports. In fact, he and sports are best friends. I saw the two of them knocking back a couple cold ones last night. Bob Black is live weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here, uh, taking you up until 4 o'clock. 327-0888 that is the phone number, that is the text line. 804 is the area code. Uh, if you want to chime in, uh, certainly if you want to touch on anything, because it's game week. It's game week. Let's go on the field uh, for this segment. And time to update you on the lines involving the state schools. As I mentioned, Thursday we get underway 
with William Mary and Campbell. That's their first game of the season. That's the state's first game of the season. Then we look at Saturday. Saturday at noon, Liberty. Nine-and-a-half point favorite against Bowling Green. That has fallen from the open to uh, 13. I still think Liberty's going to win, but Liberty breaking in a lot of new guys. So we'll see there. Virginia Tech now a 16-point favorite over Old Dominion. Uh, that opened at 14. Total slightly ticking up at 48-and-a-half. I don't know why. I don't expect either side to score a lot. Virginia is a four-touchdown tidy dog at uh, uh, Tennessee, and not at Tennessee. It's down in Nashville at Nissan Stadium. Uh, Total is 56.5 in that one. Early lean to the under there. I don't know how much Virginia is going to add to that. We'll certainly do plenty with Virginia as the week goes along. Don't know how much Virginia is going to add to that. Uh, then the FCS games, VMI is hosting Davidson. That is at 1.30. Richmond and Morgan State, 6 o'clock. Our coverage begins at 5.30 here on 106.1 ESPN. You've also got James Madison. They are taking on Bucknell. There's no line for that one. JMU usually takes no mercy on their poor opponents. Bucknell is terrible. The only thing that might stop them is that I'm guessing Kurt Signetti is going to want to play a bunch of different quarterbacks potentially, maybe. I don't know. Um, but I still think they're going to win by a lot. A lot. So uh, we'll keep you posted on that one as well because um, those are the games going on. And then, as I said, don't forget, there's Sunday games, three of them. And then there's the Monday game, which is Clemson and Duke, which is going to be a very intriguing game. Early spoiler, I kind of like Duke in that one, plus the points, but we'll see. We'll get we'll get into it as the week goes along. Um, the one thing I noticed from week zero is that nothing is from week zero. Like, I think it's funny. If you go on Twitter and you notice all the nerds who put out the nerd numbers, they're all talking about how there were less plays. There was, um, you know, football was a little bit different, which it really wasn't. I mean, I watched the Navy-Notre Dame game, and... That was a, That's a terrible game to basically base anything off of. Notre Dame huddled, and Navy didn't do anything. Navy just ran their triple option out of a different formation. So much for like all this hidden in, uh, mystique and intrigue with Notre Dame. I mean, with Navy. Like, oh, Navy's got a new offensive coordinator. They're going to do some new things. Nope. They just ran the triple option out of new formations. Um, by the way, Notre Dame will win the national championship if they get nothing but slow, undersized defenses the rest of the season. I think Notre Dame fan needs to calm down a little bit. They looked really good. Sam Hartman's going to be very good for Notre Dame, but I'm not ready to flip some of the the in-season L's that I think Notre Dame's going to take because they have a quarterback finally. They get Tennessee State this week. That's great. Then they play at NC State. They could lose that game. They get Ohio State at home. They could lose that game. They could lose at Duke. They could lose to USC at home. They could lose at Clemson. They could lose to uh, Pittsburgh at home. There's a bunch of losable games. I'm not right. Notre Dame looked good against Navy, but it's a series that they have dominated as of late. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Notre Dame hater, but like they looked very good. Am I going to crown USC because they scored the most points out of anybody? They scored 56 points. It's the most points out of anybody in college football. You look at those uh, statistics, USC has the most points. Caleb Williams did a, did get four touchdown passes. Um, Jacksonville State gets their first win as an FC, FBS team after being an FCS team, although it loosely counts because UTEP's not very good. UMass got a win 
Uh, they need one more to surpass last year. They won at New Mexico State in a game I guarantee nobody watched. And then uh, the Vanderbilt-Hawaii game was a lot of fun. The problem was it, it, it got underway later because there were storms in Vanderbilt. Um, but Hawaii's going to be better than people think. I think that Hawaii is going to be an interesting team. Uh, they get Stanford at home for um, they get Stanford at home this week, and a lot of people like Stanford. Uh, excuse me, a lot of people like Hawaii. Um, so that's why I saw in week zero. Like all these people were just you know everybody, especially coming from an, a handicapping angle. Everybody's like, "Well, the clock's not going to stop, and and what's it going to do to the game?" And I'm like, "Okay, you know what? It took like three or four plays out. I don't think that makes a large difference." And then some people are like, "Well, I don't like the flow of the game," and I'll be like. Do you like the flow of the NFL game? Because they don't stop the clock there either. I just feel like people want to complain just for the hell of it. They just want to complain just to complain. And I thought football was fine. I thought that, yes, there were more commercials. Fantastic. So what? Like, we're not going to give away, you know, just because there's, you know, more commercials. I mean, does it, it's not going to kill me. Whatever. Like, it's college football. If you're new to the show, here's my stance on all this stuff that says college football is too long. You know on Saturday, from noon until 8, and for some of you 10, and some of you midnight, you're not going anywhere. You are flipping from ESPN for the noon game, the garbage Big Ten game. You're flipping to 3.30 for the ACC game. You're flipping to 7 o'clock for the SEC game. You're flipping to 10.30 or whatever for the Pac-12 game, the Mountain West game, the Hawaii game, whatever it is. Like You know what's going to happen. I just I'm tired of people who complain about that incessant incessantly about things like that. All right, so the game's a little long at times. Still a great game, and it will continue to be a great game. All right, so I brought up that you've got a pair of programs in the state of Virginia who are in exactly pretty much the same situation. They were both extremely disappointing last year. They both had new head coaches last year. Now, the circumstances of the year and how it went were completely different. But if you look at what happened in Virginia and Virginia Tech last year, both sides were massively disappointed. Virginia gets the 3-7. and seven, Virginia Tech gets the 3-8. and eight. They obviously have their game canceled. You take out the unfortunate circumstances that ended UVA season. We're not going to focus on that when we talk about that. And I, I talked about giving Brent Pry a pass. Because his offense, what neither of these two guys have a lot of their own players in there. And you certainly can't grade a coach until year three or year four. You can certainly grade them on some things, years one and two. But when you get past that certain stage, then they have their own players that work in their own systems. You know, Brent Pry's dealing with Justin Fuente's players. And Tony Elliott's dealing with Bronco Mendenhall's players. Now, the one reason why Tony Elliott disappoints me more than Brent Pry, it's the same thing we've talked about all along, is Tony Elliott had an offense in place that was scheduled scheduled to succeed a ton, put up monster numbers, get them to a bowl game, and put UVA back on the map offensively. All this stuff. All of it. All of it. And you heard from from Brennan Armstrong at ACC Media Day, it just didn't work. And he said at times, he knew early on that it just wasn't going to work, and he continued to try, and he continued to try, and he couldn't make it happen. And so that's why... And the poll question is, who is who needs to show more in year two? To me, it's Tony Elliott. It's, it's a very simple thing that Tony Elliott has to show me more. Tony Elliott ran off, essentially, Brennan Armstrong. Ran him off. 
Send him away. You know, if they run an offense that's more suited to Brandon Armstrong, he's under center this year again. And uh, yes, I think he would still have one more year of eligibility. I can't keep all the COVID stuff going. But like, if he did have one more year, Brandon Armstrong would still be here. Some of the wide receivers would still be here. Some of the people they were that, that transferred out of the program after the frustrating year would still be here. And Virginia would be looking at more like a six-win total than a three-and-a-half win total. But instead, Tony Elliott comes in, shoves his offense in there, takes the square peg, can't fit into the round hole, and instead of trying to move it over to the square hole, he keeps banging it into the circle hole, and it can't, it's just not, the square's not going in, obviously. And so that's why I need to see him in year two show me something. Now remember, if you kind of reevaluate Clemson's offenses under him, Think about the, the quarterbacks that Clemson had all those years. Um, think about the Deshaun Watsons, some of the other quarterbacks that were running his system. It's, it's the great chicken and the egg argument. Did Tony Elliott's offenses make those quarterbacks, or did those quarterbacks make his offense? It's a great question. Uh, I'm trying to see here. Um... In 2015, he was the co-OC, but he had Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. And he had um, Travis Etienne. He had all these guys that made it very simple. Very simple. Uh, And then, of course, he had DJ Uyagalele, which I think we're going to see DJ um, really flourish in Oregon State. I think Oregon State's going to be a sleeper. I think DJ Uyagalele is going to have a tremendous year uh, at Oregon State because I think he's a really good quarterback who, once again, much like Brennan Arm. See, this all kind of makes sense now, and I'm talking myself through this. Like, you could see, even though the room's dark, like you could see the light bulb above my head. This all is making sense to me now. Granted, Tony Elliott wasn't there last year, but last year was extraordinary circumstances in Clemson because Clemson did not want Cade Klubnick to sit because we are in a college football age where four- and five-star kids don't sit. So every incomplete pass that DJ Uyagalele had, the team secretly gave a fist pump. They're like, all right, we're getting closer and closer. And then they put Cade in, and Cade wasn't ready, but it didn't matter because that was going to ensure him staying at the school. Think back, though. 2021, DJ Uyagalele, nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Very frustrating year considering what he did his freshman year, especially that Notre Dame game. Notre Dame fans remember what he did that that year. 2021, under Tony Elliott's offense, DJ Uyagalele had a terrible year. Then Tony Elliott leaves. DJ has a better year, still gets kicked out because they want Cade Klubnick starting. Like, can we all kind of notice this now? Can we all notice this? Brennan Armstrong leaves after Tony Elliott destroys him. DJ Uyagalele has a great year after Tony Elliott leaves. Think about it, people. Think about it. I don't know if it's starting to click in or anything. That's why I need Tony Elliott to show me more. And not just show me a little more, show me a lot more. Now, granted, look, let's step back a moment. He's got Tony Musket. Tony Musket's his quarterback. He comes over from Monmouth where he was all right. He wasn't great. He was all right. But if you're this offensive guru that you're supposed to be, show me something this year. With very little to work with, 
but don't, you know, show me a 30-point effort. Give me, um, I'm looking at the schedule here. Give me 30 points against Georgia Tech. Give me 24 against JMU or William & Mary. Give me something to kind of show you, to show me that Tony Elliott deserves all the praise he got for being at Clemson. Like, it just, it, it's amazing. It just clicked on for me. It's a moment of clarity. 3270888, that is the phone number, that is the text line, 804 is the area code. Quickly, we go over to Brent Pry. Brent Pry bit off more than he could chew last year. He wanted to call plays and be the head coach. I just, I, I don't love doing that. I don't love when your first year ever being a head coach. All right, let's say you go and you're like, let's say in some of the previous stops that you've made, you called plays. That's great. But that you didn't add the head coaching aspect to it. We saw at times there were some timeout issues. There were some substitution issues. There were some things there that kind of went on that wouldn't normally be happening if you were doing both. This year, it sounds like he's not going to do both. So I would like to see him cut out some of the small mistakes. Obviously, I would like to see him win the first game, beat ODU, beat them handily, show us that Virginia Tech, at least for one week, is back in terms of when Virginia Tech in the past used to play bad teams, especially at home, they would crush them. The stadium would be rocking. It would be 38-3, to and we'd be saying, yep, Virginia Tech's back. Now, I don't think the whole season's going to be like that, but show me something by cutting down the mistakes you made last year and by showing some improvement. It's not going to be hard. The offense should be way better. You've got Ali Jennings now. You've got Ali Jennings. You and Tyler Bowen need to put together a better offense than you were last year, and it would be hard for you to be any worse than you were last year. And I'll tell you this, and the Hokie fans will nod wherever they are, please cut out the plays where you throw it sideline, sideways. Just don't throw it sideways. Just stop doing that. Don't do that anymore. I don't know how many times on a uh, football Saturday I'm following all my tech people, and like, there, goes, there goes that sideways pass again. There, there goes that pass to the sideline. And, you know, maybe it gains a yard or two. Now, maybe you run it with Ollie Jennings. But even then, like, I just, let's just, let's try going forward. Let's let's do that. Tech's offense is not built to, to convert second and 15s, third and 13s, things like that. But I need to see more from Tony Elliott because I need to see him show me where the offenses were that he's supposedly getting all this credit for. Where is it? Three two seven zero eight eight eight. That is the phone number. That is the text line. Vote online at Midmajor Matt at ESPN Richmond to the poll. I've just added a lot of information to your vote. If you had not voted yet, go vote and agree with me that it is one Tony Elliott. Uh, let's take a timeout. Coming up, we're going to update you on some NFL cuts. The Commanders have made some cuts. Nothing that large, but their first opponent made a rather large cut. We'll tell you who that is next. One zero six one ESPN. It's not much of a divisional race in the NL East. But hey, just ask the Mets how that worked out for them last year. The Braves still have plenty of work to do, and you can hear every broadcast here on your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves. 1061 ESPN Richmond. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here. I it's it's just it's one of those things I'm sure we've all felt it before. We're like you just started talking something out, and then all of a sudden, like the light bulb went bing. We'll see if uh, Bob will be on at four. We'll see if he had the same thing. I mean, I kind of hope that Bob disagrees with me because it makes for 
better radio. But I just laid out a compelling case. Like, I just laid out a compelling case. I wish there was an award. And you guys are going to be like, oh, it's the Heisman. I wish there was an award that DJU can get for showing, like, how much better he's going to be. Um, I'm looking to see. Oregon State's first game is at San Jose State on Sunday, the 3rd. DJU is going to have a great year. Although I'm not in love with Oregon State's system, but maybe they would be the intelligent ones to kind of twist everything around and make this system that was that works for DJU. By the way, uh, the poll question uh, at Midmajor Matt at ESPN Richmond, 59% say Tony Elliott. That was not what it was before the epiphany. Uh, 40% Brent Pry. Who needs to show you more as a head coach this season in year two? And by the way, like probably Thursday or Friday, we'll do our win losses for all the state schools. And then I'll tell you, for those who live outside the state, if there's any value for any of their win totals. And as I told you, I think it was uh, win, which I believe is in the state of Virginia. They actually have a win total for William & Mary as well. I think it was nine and a half. You usually don't see a lot of FCS teams get win totals. But when you're as good as William & Mary is... Uh, you certainly do. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number, that is the text line, 804 is the area code. Bruce, what's going on, Bruce? Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt, you've had a, you had a great show last week. You had uh, Katan off of Real Sports on there one day, and, of course, the author of the book. But that was a great interview. I, I want to chime in with hope and optimism as it relates to Lane. Stadium, Frank Beamer Stadium up in Blacksburg. Uh, a lot of excitement regarding some of the 804. We have a transfer wide receiver of Pound Springs product, of course, a kid that I know uh, now playing up at Blacksburg. And a lot of optimism, you know, sort of under the covers, if you will. So, you know, hopefully Tech will show and prove, and hopefully we'll just hold up on the defensive side of the ball and, and get some scores up and, and maybe play better than people anticipated up in Lane Stadium. Bruce, I never knew that you were on the tech side of things. I didn't know whether you were a UVA or tech fan because we always talk basketball, but I didn't know. Are you? Did you go to tech? No, well, my son is a senior there this year. Ah, okay. Yeah, so this is a senior year at tech. So really, so, you're just hoping that your money that you give to Virginia Tech is going to help Virginia Tech's athletics programs. That's exactly right, man. That's exactly right. All but right. I'm excited about some of the 804, the 804 talent up there as well. Thank you so much, Bruce. Yes, I did not know that. I, I mean, not that I had a preconceived notion of who Bruce was a fan of with regards to the state. I know Bruce roots for everybody uh, in the state, but um, I... Uh, that's a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I think that the recruiting's slowly getting better. You've started to see, and it's not—it's probably not going to be this year, but we've started to see some of the battles in the state being won by Virginia Tech. I think I saw a couple of kids that um, they won for next year. Um, I never understood why they didn't take more advantage of this area because you had Bronco Mendenhall for the longest time, and especially when Bronco Mendenhall first arrived here and didn't, believe in the you know he was a west coast guy and he did not do enough when it came to the 804 and the other areas here i don't know why tech didn't take more advantage of it then 
But I'm looking like it. If you go to HokieHaven.com, there is they're 35th in recruiting for next year already. There's a bunch of four-star kids, one from Virginia Beach, one from King George, one from Laurel, Maryland, one from Hyattsville, Maryland, and one from Davie, Florida. Tech's recruiting is improving. And this is another area where you want to see your coaches improve. And meanwhile, when I go to do, uh, let's go see where Virginia's recruiting is for 2024 because you kind of want to see some improvement there. Virginia's 13th in the conference. They have 14 commitments, and they have no five stars, no four stars. Tech has five four stars already in the fold. That's another reason why Tony Elliott needs to improve. It's another area. Um, I just, um, I'm really excited for that. I'm I'm going to be rooting hard for DJU and Brennan Armstrong. Now, obviously, we're rooting for Brennan Armstrong because I took the over six and a half for NC State. That was one of my plays. I gave that out like two weeks ago. That's already in the books. You can all, and you could still probably get it now anyway, uh, over six and a half wins for NC State because I just, I'm a believer in the Wolfpack. The joke I always make is famous last words. Let's transition briefly to the NFL. So, cut down day is tomorrow at 4 o'clock. We've seen some cuts already from the commanders. Nothing really explosive, I would say. Nothing really like, oh my God, that's crazy. Because, you know, everybody who makes these first early cuts, it's kind of like the easy ones. They're like, yeah, that guy's really got to go. And I'm trying to pull up here. Ben Standig has a list. The only one that's kind of disappointing is Jared Patterson got let go, my guy from Buffalo, who was undrafted and made the roster for this long. That was a little disappointing, but they they like Rodriguez a little bit more. Um, there's also, I mean, I, I don't really even want to read these names because if I've never heard of these guys, chances are a lot of you haven't. They also got rid of Marcus Kemp, who came over from the Chiefs. I thought Marcus Kemp was an intriguing wide receiver name, but I always feel like wide receivers... No roster is ever going to have not enough wide receivers. Like you watch, it's so funny when you watch a preseason game and you're not, you know, you're not, you're watching through your fingers, covering your eyes because you don't want anybody to get injured. But like you watch, every team has like six or seven wide receivers. It feels like there's some guys who are rookies, undrafted free agents who can catch a bunch of things, so on and so forth. Like there's all that stuff. So like wide receiver is always tough, but then you're always trying to figure out like who the legit guys are in that group. Like they love Mitchell Tinsley. So I'm guessing Mitchell Tinsley made the roster over um, Marcus Kemp. But we'll keep you posted there. Um, The first week, and now I'm really upgrading this to must win. Like we were at, what is it, code, I don't know what's below code red. But now we're at code red in terms of must win. The Cardinals have let go of Colt McCoy. And Kyler Murray's injured and not playing for at least the first half of the season. The Cardinals are openly tanking. So, like, let me just tell you now, if you're in a survivor pool, week one, take the commanders and get them out of the way. Of course, this means they're going to lose, but take the commanders week one because you're never going to lose the, use the commanders again, ever, ever this season. There's not another game this season, at least from the preseason, and it depends on what your strategy is for these survivor pools. Like, do you want to go and, you know... Get your best teams out of the way first, or do you just want to get wins? I'm looking at the commander's schedule. There is no other time. Maybe the Thursday night game at home against the Bears, but Justin Fields is a competent quarterback. Like That would be the only other time maybe you would use the commanders with any sort of confidence. Use Washington week one. Colt McCoy's gone. So you know who's left now at quarterback? 
Josh Dobbs, who they just traded for last week, or Clayton Toon, who's the Houston rookie, fifth-round draft pick. Let me say that one more time. The Commanders will be playing either Josh Dobbs, who's been in Arizona for a week now, and will, what, two weeks since, uh, three weeks, or fifth-round draft pick Clayton Toon, who's not a terrible quarterback, but, like, he was drafted in the fifth round, and he's a rookie, and he's going up against the Washington defense, which is going to have a lot of sacks and stuff like that. Use Washington as your first team in the survivor pool because you're never going to do it again. I mean, the Cardinals are openly tanking. If I'm the commanders, I'm I'm looking at the Arizona Cardinals roster and seeing if there's somebody. There is somebody you can get, but you'd have to pay a little bit, both money and picks. Buda Baker's sitting there. Buda Baker is one of the best safeties in the country, in the nation, in the world. Now, he did get some pay raises recently, because of the, this, the the you know he he was not happy with his contract, and they gave him pay raises for the next two seasons. Now it's not too much of a pay raise, but like, yeah, if I'm any team in the league, I am calling them and asking for Buda Baker. He's set to make around sixteen million dollars next year, and like fifteen million dollars this year, but he's a Pro Bowler, which I hate using those. I hate using Pro Bowls because it's just it's arbitrary. He's had a really good year. Um, but the Cardinals are basically throwing the season away so they can get Caleb Williams and get rid of Kyler Murray. But if what if Washington somehow loses game one, guess what happens? I would, I would, I would, I'd fire Ron Rivera. Like in the middle of his post-game press conference, Ron would be up there like, well, you know, it just didn't work out. And then I would go in as Josh Harris and I'd say, you're fired. Like, get out. Like, you can't even finish the press conference. That's how bad this would be if commanders... They're not going to. It's not going to happen. But if they lose that first game, they're not going to. We're not even going to entertain this fact. Ron Rivera's going to get to keep his job. As I said, the first kind of point where I would consider letting him go is after the week five game against the Bears. It's five games. You kind of get an idea. You've got three at home over that span. you got two on the road. Granted, it's Denver, Buffalo, Philly, and Chicago are those five games. But like that's your first point if you wanted to get rid of him because then you'd have 10 days to get ready for a trip to the Falcons. If you didn't want to get rid of him after that, like then there's no other time pretty much. Because then as you go on in the season, like week 14 is the bye week, you're not going to fire him and have somebody else step in and coach the last four games of the season unless it's a very, 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 very toxic locker room, which I'm guessing it won't be. So your only opportunity, I would say, is week five. But we'll keep you posted. There have been some local cuts because I've been doing my list of um, local players. So, so far, DeAndre Houston Carson, who was signed like a week or two ago by the Ravens was let go by the Ravens. Um, Darius Higgins, the Virginia State running back, let go by the Steelers. But the only thing I ever read about Darius Higgins was he had a fumbling problem and was like that guy in the program who he carried a football all over the place with him to prevent him from fumbling. And then uh, Rashawn Henry, the former UVA wide receiver. I loosely use him as a a UVA guy because he played most of his career at Texas Tech. He played one year at UVA. He got cut by the Seattle Seahawks, which is odd because I had him with the Browns. So he must have gotten let go by the Browns, signed by the Seahawks, and let go by the Seahawks. 
So that's kind of who's been cut so far. We'll keep you posted uh, with some of the other stuff. As I said, tomorrow at 4 o'clock, we'll know. And then there'll be you know, practice squad additions and things like that and a lot of claims and, and, and things like that as we try and get to our 53-man rosters. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number. That is the text line for the show. Don't forget to use the 804 area code if you have any comments, questions, concerns on a football Monday before a football Tuesday, then a football Wednesday, football Thursday, football Friday. Uh, let's take a timeout. We'll do one final segment. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. This Saturday, the Spiders return home when UR opens their 2023 season at Robin Stadium versus Morgan State at 6 p.m. Don't miss any of the action on your home for Spider Athletics all season. 1061 ESPN Richmond. It- Welcome back. 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here. All right, so I'm tired of I'm you know, we're almost out of list season because we're now into the actual football season. But SI.com is doing the top 100 players list. And I just don't understand it. He, they, ha, they have Justin Herbert ahead of Jalen Hurts. I just, I, it, I don't understand it. Like, there's no, there's nothing that tells you Justin Herbert's a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. They have Patrick Sertain ahead of Jalen Hurts. Patrick Sertain's not terrible, but he's not Jalen Hurts. Travis Kelsey's ahead of him. Miles Garrett's ahead of him. Like, this is just ridiculous. Can't wait to hear what nerd numbers they have that are like, well, Jalen Hurts is not the 20th best. This is why I'm glad we play games on the field instead of with nerd numbers, because nerd numbers are wrong quite often. Uh, thanks to AJ for all his hard work. Uh, I'll be back in like two or three minutes. Well, four or five minutes. I'll be on with Bob during... Um, the sports huddle coming up at the top of the hour and uh, we'll have some more, but I'll be back for this show three to four tomorrow here on 106.1 ESPN.